What's up, everybody? I'm here with the legend, <laughs> Tyler Angle. Actually, Tyler, back in the day, was my arch rival in high school. <laughs> so bit. back in the day in high school, I hated Tyler Angle. He played for Sandberg <laughs> High School. I played for Lockport. Rivals. This kid was my rival. The rivalry. Stomping on me and getting <laughs> stuff like that. But a little uh, competitive edge never hurts. Absolutely. So Tyler, how are things? Things are good. Things are good. Yeah? Yeah. Good. So obviously it's understood that you, you've played at probably the highest level in American soccer that's really possible. I mean there's really Absolutely. no yeah. one that can really disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> Was that your dream as a kid to, to play at that level? Definitely. Um, when I grew up, uh, I had an older brother who played soccer, and kind of I was always around the team, you know. So whether it was his practice or games, I was there trying to just play, you know, do anything, play with the bigger kids. Obviously, they didn't like that, so I didn't do too much of that. But um, I still was always around the field, just playing as much as I could. So basically, at a young age, I started to love the game, and then. Basically, ever since then, yeah, it was a, a dream and aspiration to play professionally. That's cool. So your, your brother led the way, huh? A little bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would Beginning. say he definitely uh, not pushed me, but just because he was playing so much that yeah. it kind of opened up my eye to how much how awesome the game is. And, you know, just the passion that I grew for it yeah. just took me on, you know, a great journey. So you, you've played at the highest level in American soccer. Mm-hmm. What challenges did you have, like, from the from the get go, what were some of your biggest challenges so, as a kid? American soccer is different than definitely European and whatnot. It's a lot more physical and running. So you got to definitely be very fit and be strong. Meaning you don't have to have all these muscles, but you got to have a lot of core strength. Got to be able to maintain, you know, your body control if you're getting bumped. Yeah. Because as a little smaller player, I was I was one that playing high school I was on varsity as a freshman so my freshman year I would get bullied literally anytime I'd have the ball somebody would just come push me and so I just start thinking you know how can I get around these guys that are bigger stronger faster okay so what helped me with that is I kind of learned how to pass and move more okay but then as I got older I realized that I needed to also get stronger okay and be able to run longer yeah so fitness huge aspect of the American game absolutely so in in any game to be honest yeah so so you're starting as uh, as a varsity player as as a freshman. Yeah. Um, your plan is to is to learn how to do these things, right? Yep. Uh, what with that plan in mind, like, what were some of your hurdles, like? Um. So basically, anything like backlash on you? I don't know. Um. Kind of. I mean. I guess so. You kind of when you try to play and like when you're playing in the high school game, say when those guys are faster and you try to do these combinations, they don't come off as much, and so you get down on yourself, and then you lose the ball more when you're trying these things because it's a faster-paced game. Okay. But what you can't do is shy away from those hard environments, you know, and then start relying more so on your, you know, physical attributes as opposed to your technical at- attributes because at the end, the technical at- attributes will take you farther because the physical attributes will eventually come along, you know, as you mature. Perfect. So so how did those things translate into the college college level Oh, like for you? For me, it was very good. So basically my freshman year, I was a littler kid, and then I started to grow, you know, sophomore year, a little stronger. Then my, actually my junior year, I started, my dad put me with the private trainer working out. Oh, really? Yeah, like weights, weights, weights. And okay. so that helped out a lot. Um, I got pretty strong, and then... Guys were not pushing me off the ball anymore, and ever like after that, 
my technique and my knowledge of the game were allowing me to beat them not only with my mind, but then my speed and my agility was taking over too. So I was kind of beating them in both ways. I love that you said that. Because like when I started playing in Florida, I developed physically. Like I had this jump in, in physicality. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it, it gave me a whole brand new perspective on like certain situations. Absolutely. Like my mind was like, okay, now you're able to do these things. Yeah. Like, now you can think th this about the other. Yeah, now you can think about the, like, other aspects of the game. Not absolutely. worrying about you know whether it's say just for physical aspect, whether you're tired, worrying about your breathing. Like oh crap, the ball's coming me out. I'm tired. <laughs> you know that's a huge thing that happened to me for many times in the game. You know, and then when you get older, you start to realize you gotta go do those extra running. You know that extra couple miles on your day off. That that, that definitely helps. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So. In high school, I knew what. Uh, tell me about uh, your coach at Sandberg. There, there. What what went on there at uh, at Sandberg? Sandberg, we had Jack Ferraro. He yeah, was, he's a uh, good coach. Or he, what? I mean, he was all right. Okay. He was not the best, not the worst. Um, then, um, honestly, the where I met learned the most was club. Yeah, you know, okay. high school soccer was kind of more like. Fun, yeah. You know, like you got to go there. You, we weren't like I wasn't friends, worried. Yeah. yeah, and I wasn't ever worried about playing time. I wasn't gonna worry about if I made the team. Yeah. We're like other kids that kind of are like that. But then, like, so when you're in club atmosphere, that's kind of more of like whereas you learn a lot of your shape and you're held accountable. You know, practice environments really high, really intense. Yeah, we're like you're keeping track of how many turnovers you have. You know, not just messing around in training, which yes. is like. Very common thing I see around when I, because I have my own little training thing that I do with kids and whatnot, when I see regular practices, even players, even sometimes coaches don't hold everybody accountable enough and value the possession of the ball. Yeah. You want to be holding yourself accountable because in the game, if you lose the ball, the other team gets it. So therefore, if you're not holding yourself accountable in practice, yeah. in the game, you're going to be losing the ball and therefore probably lose the game because you're losing the ball. Yeah. So you got to start it in, you know, when practicing, I mean, build the right mentality the yeah. right habits yeah so that was a big thing for me in, pre in trainings you know more so a club absolutely so a lot of parents these days are like should, should i do high should my kid do high school or should my kid do club and they're yeah. like that's one of these like things that these parents can, yeah. like, continue to debate about yeah and obviously there's pros and cons to yes. like both scenarios yes what were what were some of your what's what's the biggest pro for playing club soccer other than like the competitiveness um, well, the exposure as well. Okay. Definitely. I mean, club soccer, you're going to get way more exposure. Gotcha. In high school, you don't, I mean, you get exposure in the state. Yeah. Club, you can get exposure nationally. Yeah. So high school, very few college scouts, if any, that are D1 are coming to those high school games. Right. You know, Makes very sense. few. <clears throat> Makes sense. I don't want to say zero because yeah. I don't know that for sure. Yeah. But, Unless there's a select few high schools that like are stacked with absolutely. player one, two, three, and four. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that basically what game they would be coming to is like the state championship. Yes, they would. Yeah. You know, they're not going to be coming to your, your traditional game. Right. But in club, you can be getting those guys coming to like say you're playing somebody like uh, Scott Gallagher versus you know a Magic or some around here. Yeah. You know, then yeah. they'll be at that game watching. Right. You know. So you started with Chicago Magic. Yes. What year did you? How old were you when you transitioned to Chicago Fire? Um, well, we were 18, so that's my last year. Um, we were in the academy, so we had a really good team, and we made it. We got fifth and third the first two years of the academy. Okay. Um, and then the last year, the Magic got bought out by somebody. Okay. And they fired our head coach. So everything got. And then up. the fire hired our head coach, 
and so they we wanted to get they brought us all over. Okay, you know, gotcha. Yeah, I was actually I was just talking to Patrick Duty about this. Yeah, and they everything got shooken up right then. Mm -hmm. Right? Is that is that right? Oh, absolutely. So basically, we were like we're at, we're at Academy Finals, um, and we had a huge game playing. Basically, it was for the national championship. It was against Michigan Wolves. Whoever wins this game is going to the final. And we like we're dominating them. They get a set piece goal. They're a traditional Midwest team, real big, strong. And they get this corner goal. We lose one zero, so we're real pissed. And then we find out that our club's getting bought and spot out by some guy, and he's firing our coach. You know, oh and so it's, this is just chaos. And at this time, basically the fire and, and the magic had all the best kids in the state. So we were kind of combining and making a super team. You know, but yeah. it didn't really pan out as good as we wanted. We didn't make it to the finals that year. The academy finals. That was actually the only year in the academy that I didn't make it. Is when we had basically all the best kids in the state. Gotcha. So, but then there's also like contradicting philosophies going at coaching styles. You know, yeah. once you bring in a coach and then the other coach, they all want their own ideas. So it's kind of yeah, double-edged sword. You know, I'm not going to get into too much today, but I mean, politics plays a huge oh, part. Ah, uh, yeah, that's yeah. I don't want to get into that because yeah. yeah, that's a different story. Yeah, for, it's a whole other topic. Yeah, that then we could get into that on a different topic, but definitely <laughs> politics are a huge aspect Which in is all sports. Un you know? Unfortunate, but it's part. Yeah, of, it's just that's part, part of the game, part. and you got to understand it if you want to keep going through the ranks of the game. That's true. Mm -hmm. So, academy, yeah, high school. You ended up at, you started with SMU. Yep. How did you, how did they recruit you? So basically. How did you recruit Tell me about the recruitment yeah, process. Yeah, a little, a little history or a little background of recruiting process. So we always had a really good team. So it's going to be a little different than most players, to be honest. Okay. My team, we were always the top team in the, in the nation, like every year. Best team in the state, top team in the nation. Um, so we always had a lot of scouts and whatnot coming to our games, blah, blah, blah. So right when the they were able to start contacting you. I started to get letters and messages right away from multiple schools. Okay. Um, but a lot of the showcases that the academy put on helped for that, you know. So I didn't have to go out and do these showcases that colleges were putting on or go do college camps because these showcases had all these college coaches coming in because the academy organized it that way, and you kind of just – they're at your game, so you got to perform. So one of the bigger things is basically your junior year is – the bread and butter year. That's yeah. when coaches are able to talk to you. That's when they're looking to sign players for the season. And so I understood that. And I mean, you need to make sure when you're junior year, you're playing some of your best soccer. Yeah. You know, that's very important. And then just way to make yourself, um, basically, I like have yourself stick out, I guess, is just work ethic. A lot of people don't value that. Like when you, kids turn the ball over, how you react to that. Don't just put your head down and go, because recruiting coaches really look for reactions, reactions, reactions. Whether you score a goal, do you get overexcited, you know, blah, blah, blah. Whether you lose the ball, do you get too down? You know, you always, they'd rather have that mediocre player who's not too high, not too low, you know. So that's, that's a big, big aspect of uh, what coaches are looking for, you know. Media, not. Um, so are they looking for, like, emotional stability? Yes, and also though passionate too, meaning okay. like, but they don't want they don't want the guy who is passing the ball and then giving it away and then not working hard. Yeah. You know, it's all right to get mad and be yeah, like you know, swear and whatnot. I'll be the first to say I was very passionate on the field, but like I wasn't one when I turned the ball over to just put my head down. You yeah. know, that's what I mean by that. I don't mean like don't be passionate. Yeah, and like sometimes you do get really 
you know, up in the game, high yeah. in the game, because yeah. you score a big goal. That's fine, but you got to also make sure once the game starts back up, yeah. you brought your emotions back down. Absolutely, and I think like some kids these days, they watch these superstars play, yeah. and they some of these guys, they do turn the ball over. And yeah, they, uh, they that's they complain of the exactly. Rap. But th that's a whole it's a whole, whole different, different game. There's, and they're such on a different platform because why? Those guys are going down and scoring a goal almost once a game. Yeah. So if you're gonna be that type and at the highest level, they're yeah, not just the high, doing yeah. it at like even academy level. They're right. doing it at the professional level yeah. and the top leagues in, the, in you know, the world. Absolutely. So therefore, when they lose the ball, it's all right. Because, for, for example, like a Neymar, he's going to go down and score maybe, you know, or create two, three goals a game. Right. Very few players are doing that every game. Right. You know, right. and you're absolutely, that's a very good point. Yeah. And that's not that's that's the aspect of the game you don't want to take from those superstars. Absolutely. You know. Yeah, that's a, that's true. So you're at SMU. You redshirted for sure. Yes. You actually got a, like a ton of playing time second year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Played a lot. Probably scored. Would you score like ten goals? No, no. I had five and four. Five and four. Okay. So yeah. Well, my honestly, so I went into college. This is a good little thing too. I went into college. You know, I was doing well in the academy. It's a really high recruit. Our class was really high. Like we were like top five, I believe, recruiting class. Okay. Um, and so I went in there, you know, thinking I was going to play. Blah blah blah. Didn't really work hard in the off season going into my um, freshman year. You know, I thought basically thought my shit didn't stink. You know. Okay. Got a quick reality check, which was honestly the best thing for my playing. You know, went in there, was out of shape. Thought I was in shape. That's a big thing. Kids think, and even players think you're in shape. But then when you go, like, even for me, even when I went into Toronto, I worked, I thought I was in shape. But when I went in there, no, there's a different level of shape, like, of how much running you truly have to do. And so that's kind of what I first happened at, um, at, at SMU. And so, you know, rightfully so, I deserved to be redshirted. But then I started to, like, realize this halfway through the season. I started to play really well in practice. And, like, coach was offered, he's like, hey, we're going to, like, probably start playing you. Do you want to play or do you want to take your redshirt? And I just said I'd rather redshirt and, you know, save it because there's, like, five, six games left. And our team was already doing really well. Right. And I'd play, like, ten minutes a game. You already missed yeah. ten percent. Yeah, the, exactly. Uh, so that's season. another thing that players got to realize, too. It ultimately is somewhat of a business, you know. That's what players got to understand because that's how coaches and, you know, organizations are looking at it. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but it is. And so then they, that's you know, it, it's so interesting. Yeah, because so yeah, that's a whole other loophole or a whole other rabbit hole. Yeah. That, that we could go down, but we won't today. Yeah, no. But that, yeah, that could be a fifteen-hour conversation. No. But but the way you handled yourself season yeah. after season and those little nuances that parents don't know yeah. about, you know. And exactly. So and like the kid is all of a sudden just in this, you know, yeah. in this environment. And they think it was almost just given to a lot of players, but at the same time, a lot of players go through hardships. So that was a hard thing. I had to start looking at myself as opposed to looking at the coaches why I wasn't playing or whatnot. Right. And when I started to do that, that's instantly when I started to play. Yeah. And that's instantly when I started to excel. And that's when it went on and on because I stopped looking around. I stopped making excuses. I started looking at myself and holding myself as accountable as, you know, I could. Self-awareness. Yeah, meaning, like, if anybody was going to hold me accountable, I was going to do it, and I'm going to do it the hardest. Yeah. I'm not going to have somebody else tell me that they're holding me accountable more than I am. Absolutely. So once I started to do that, then it just started, you know. Game changer. Yeah, and it was just, it went straight up from there, you know. I love that. I love that because I think uh, that's, like you said, on one side of the spectrum, you're, you're moving along, you think your shit don't stink, and then the, yeah. on the other side of the spectrum, 
total self-awareness yeah total responsibility absolutely you know taking 100%. responsibility and that just totally changes the game yeah and that is what like i try to implement in some of the teachings that i do yeah like, so do i 100 yeah. so do i and you have to because yeah. it's, it's, it's huge it's, yeah it's, i was gonna say it's fundamental it's, really. it's basically there's gonna be one one maybe two players you know that i even come in contact that aren't gonna have to go through a struggle during their playing career and just gonna always be the best yeah you know i'll be lucky if i train one or two kids like that that means they're just Superstars, almost. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. Because it's it's just the way it is, and that's how you become better player. Yes. Because then you don't get then you realize how much you gotta grind. You know, you truly understand it. Absolutely. So you're at SMU. You register first year. Yeah. Second year you come along. Yeah. So wait, the coach gave you an option to redshirt. He just. Well, no, they 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 kind of they told me yeah they basically were like we're redshirting you and then I started to do really well during like. Basically, after like five weeks of the season of training, I was always doing a little better, you know, because I went in and then I started, like I said, like halfway through like the first couple games, I was like, you know what, stop like saying you deserve to be playing and start just proving it, you know, like every day in training, just be better, you know, that's what I started telling myself. And then I'd start like when we were playing the first team, me and like the starters, I would start to score goals against them in like our scrimmages because you do that at least like once or twice a week, you know. Uh -oh. And so I started to, yeah, uh -oh. and then the coaches were and like, they're, and when they're probably, you know, they're asking like, whoa, we want to win. Because at that time, the year we, the year before we went into SMU, we were like 5-10. and 10. So this year, we're like, we went like 15-1-2 in the season. And we were like 10-0 and 0 at the point when our coaches had. So he's thinking we have a shot to go, you know, really far, so which he, we did. So he's, so he's wanting to win now. Some game changes, he's got yeah. to moves. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's not worried about next year because he wants to win now. Right. Right. So that's a good point. That's what he was thinking, and then he he was thinking. Nas he was looking out, which I had advice from my parents, which was good for myself as well. You know, yeah. not only for the team but also myself. It's, yeah. And I'm glad I made that decision. Yeah, that's good because then you come on second year. Yeah, I came on second year, and I didn't start though right away. And I kept so I came in, and one of the they started thinking, oh, if I don't start Tyler, he's gonna do. No, well, this year. is what they said. Like, this is funny because I was in shape, but I came in shape. And what they're worried about is that summer spell where, like, players go back. Some players don't work hard. Yep. And so we had a fitness test at Cooper, and they told me this after the season. They said, like, if I wouldn't have passed that Cooper test that they weren't going to play me. And I passed it, obviously, because I came in hard. Because I knew I had to run on work. Yeah. So I passed it, and then, like, I didn't start the first couple games. I'd sub on, and I just kept the same attitude that I had when I told you. What about, like, don't worry about what the coaches, just worry about your game, yeah. how you can affect yourself, how you can be better, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I kept that mentality. Then five games into the season, you know, I'm playing more than the starters, but I'm not starting yet. And then, you know, ten games into the season, I'm starting. And then the conference tourney, we end up winning the conference tourney. I had, like, three goals, three assists, played really well. So you can't, you lit it up, like, right when yeah, I started. Prime time. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I was actually awesome. kind of like what my I kind of was a player not always played down in my competition, but then always was super up for the big games and played really well in the yeah, big games. That's true. I always did. It was just weird. Like I had a decent amount of NCAA um, tournament goals. I think like nine or ten. So just love bigger games. Yeah. yeah, which brings me to the next point: North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. So, so how do you transition? What, what, Tell me about this. Does the coach talk to the other coach? Like, did, did well, we can't do any of that because NCA purposes. Uh, so, so, so help me understand. So that. basically, how'd you get to kind this? of so um, during SMU we had like 
during my class alone, I had like four or five transfers out throughout the two years I was there. Okay. And so there was basically players weren't happy with some of the coaching, blah, blah, blah. You know, some maybe were homesick or whatever. And um, so our team was kind of tearing. And then um, my sophomore year of playing, so technically junior year of school, but sophomore year of eligibility, I had a really good season. Um, I think like I was voted, I don't know, I got like first or second team all conference. Got a bunch of accolades, had like ten or eight, nine goals. Um, but then, like after that, going into the off season, our coach kind of was basically like asking me more so what stuff to do. And so I kind of wanted to expand and see what else was out there. Okay. And then um, he was asking you. Well, I kind of like just kind of what ideas we needed to keep working on, and I honestly just wanted to be challenged a little more because our the value of players was slowly decreasing meaning like they're yes. transferring out okay so like out of my class i was the fifth one to transfer okay so it was like this kid zach he went on to creating another kid andrew went on to iu another kid went to akron Holy so God. these like all of us were like all oh, top yeah these aren't just recruiting into bad schools so did this situation is just kind of just like and then another one transferred like to ucla okay. well it was like so a andrew a aj transferred the first year after our freshman year, or after our freshman fall, uh -huh. um, he was kind of a little homesick and definitely mad he wasn't playing much. Um, and then um, uh, Barnes and Robbie, they transferred next. And then me, I transferred, and then this other kid transferred to UCLA. So, this so they just, transferred after their, our sophomore year school, I transferred after my junior year school. And this or, is just ironic. Yeah. Like, this well, just happened. I mean, There's kinda, happened. it was coaching too. I mean, coaching is... A thing that comes but, down. But I mean, in the in the big picture. Yo, oh yeah, that, that doesn't mean, happen. Not that, that, five of your best players, pretty much like if that's we what I'm would saying. we that's talk what, sometimes, and if we would have all stayed at that school, we probably would have won a national championship. Because AJ, the kid who went to IU, he won a national championship. I made it to the lead eight twice. Um, he made it like two other guys made it to the final four. Uh -huh. You know, so it's like all of us were playing on a very good team and contributing big time minutes and goals and whatnot. Yeah. So it was like. If we all kind of stayed together, it would have probably been a lethal combination there. Interesting. So, let's circle back. Mm -hmm. How how do you how do you communicate with UNC? So basically, what you have to do is you just have to tell your school you want to get your release, and okay. so they release you. Once you get released, then you can then you can then you're able to contact. So basically, I told my school what schools I wanted them to send my release out to, and in soccer, you're allowed to transfer once without having to sit out. So other in sports the, you have to sit NCAA. out. In the NCAA. In the NCAA. Unless unless you go conference in, inside con, in conference. So if you transfer like I was in um, we were in like this is big for parents to understand. Yeah, exactly. Right? So if you're in like so at SMU we were in conference USA. So if I were to transfer to there's a school Memphis was in we played Memphis. So if I went to transfer to Memphis I would have had to sit out a year because okay. we're in conference. Okay. So I transferred out of conference, so therefore I was able to play. Also, your coach has the right to kind of cancel your um, your um, your out or block block your what, what's the word I'm looking your release statement your release form or whatever. So you could kind of block it and then you could kind of fight it, but usually they don't. So that's also another thing you could come into though. That's and then they also have the ability to block what schools they send it to if they're on their schedule in the next coming seasons, like the next season or the season after. So there's all these little stipulations. Interesting. Yeah. And I so then know, I had them. Know that. Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. Yeah. So I had them send it out to um, 
North Carolina, UCLA, like UIC, um, Creighton, and then um, UC Santa Barbara. Cool. Yeah. And UNC says, we want Tyler. I almost went to UCLA. Really? Yeah, I could have went to either one. Okay. Um, actually, like, I've always loved North Carolina. Um, so, basically, I went on a visit to North Carolina, and I already had my UCLA visit set up the next week. And so, like, I go into there, and the coach basically, like, kind of found out that I was going on a visit there, and he told me, like, um, we want you here, blah, blah, so... This he, is our offer, he, and if you don't accept it now, then we're taking it off the table. Or if you, you know, basically saying... If, if you we're, leave right yeah, now, we're, we're not, not you. Yeah, he, basically he didn't want me to go to UCLA to visit it, basically. Understood. I went to Creighton the de- the week before that. Um, and then another thing players got to realize is there's not too much money in college soccer for scholarships. There's 9.9. So, like, very few players will get a full. There's 9.9. 9.9 per team. 9.9 scholarships per soccer team. Okay. So, like, my when I was at SMU, my first year, I, like, 25 or 50. Then that stayed the same, and then after that... Is that an NCAA, like, rule? Yeah, that's that's the most you could have. If you're a fully funded program in the NCAA, there's 9.9 scholarships for soccer. So, NCAA has to sit, have... This, and if you're an NCAA school, you have to have the same amount of scholarships. So it for, doesn't matter what the tuition cost is. It doesn't, doesn't matter. No, it doesn't it's matter at all. Scholarship, full scholarship. 9.9. 9.9 of them. Okay. Yeah. Doesn't matter at per all. Per team. Per no. Season. Per soccer team. Per boy. Per men's soccer team. So then they're right. different. Yeah. Right. Because they gotta basically, because of That's Title Nine, you have to have the same amount of scholarships for boys and girls. So football gets all those scholarships. So they gotta counteract another team, take away some from them because fifty-three scholarships, and then women have to have the same amount. You know, gotcha. and you select the level of playing field. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. So you you go to UNC. Yeah. Different level? Um, I mean, similar level, just, just different not, environment? I'd say more different kind of training style and player style. Okay. Every single player, except a few of the walk-ons, obviously there's some walk-ons, but like, it's soccer or die. Yeah. Like, you get a lot of national team residency kids, meaning like they went through the, the, um, the national team youth system where like they were training in Bradenton with them when they were like 15 up to 18. You get a lot of those kids. Gotcha. So a lot of a lot of um, residency kids and real competitive. That's true. And like our second squ- squad would be like better than majority of the first squad. We have yeah. there's so much depth there. Yeah, because those coaches at that level, UNC, yeah, you know, Indiana, Notre yeah. Dame, you know, they're they're picking out of the national. Yeah, players. yeah, they get they're to look- fuck players. They're yeah. not really. They like even when I saw so my freshman year, like if if you go if you get a full scholarship to go to UNC as a freshman. You're basically the number one crew in the nation, you know. There's very makes few, sense. so like, sense. they were like, I would have had to have been a preferred walk-on my freshman year. I see. Which is like very common. Okay. There's only like the only way that you won't be a preferred walk-on kind of at UNC as a freshman is if, um, kind of as if you're in state or is if you're in a residency program. Okay. Because you gotta think. So like, when I transferred. They, I had a full scholarship, so I'm getting one of those full scholarships. And then they already have, they already have kids who, basically, are on full scholarship because they were freshman number one recruit in the nation. You know, so they're gonna get that full scholarship. And then like another kid, like we had this other kid who transferred, Andy, he was on full. So right there, there's three scholarships gone. Gotcha. And so you got seven scholarships now for the rest of the team. But like a school like UNC, that's public, gets so lucky because if you're in state, it's four thousand dollars to go to the school, or like probably like seven now. 
But when I was going, it was like 4,500. It was the best public. I, so I see. And the, and the scholarships are for full scholarships. So they can give a kid mm. in North Carolina a full scholarship, but that'll only take away like 0.4 of the the allocated 9.9 they get. Which is a ton of leverage. Yeah. And so if you ever look at North Carolina roster, there's probably like 15 kids from North Carolina. <laughs> there really is. So Makes sense. Yeah. And that's another little business aspect, politics, that people don't understand. People need to know this. Yeah, thing. no, I hear you. Parents, if you have more questions, contact Tyler. He knows his stuff. <laughs> yeah. Just email him or something. I hear you. So, big time goals. Yeah, yeah. I, it was it your junior year or senior year? I watched you guys play Notre Dame. Junior year, I had a, junior year. Yeah, that yeah, that really nice, nice goal, goal against Notre Dame. Yeah, first half. Yeah, I, yeah, I, we I was at that game. Yeah, that was a awesome. lot of you guys were there. That's yeah. like what my celebration was to run all you, run to all you guys. <laughs> yeah, it was like one versus three or one versus four, maybe one versus two. We were one at the time. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that was probably, that was probably like the you best goal good... I've ever scored, but not the biggest goal I ever scored. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I you, had a, you I I remember it. You had like. Fight one dude off. Fight another. Kind of yeah. fight another dude off. Yeah. And you you poke this ball. I chipped the perfectly goal, over of. the goal yeah. goalkeeper. Yeah, it was honestly, yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. I got like a sixty yard ball and just took it out of the air over the kid's head and then took a touch with like my thigh and this other guy was coming and I just like chipped it over the goalie. Yeah, yeah. You, had, you had the fans standing up. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. That was that was one of the cooler feelings ever. Just because a lot of like you guys were there that yeah. got to come and see. Like I had like forty fans. Yeah, yeah, at the game. I because I say I went to school in Sandler Dallas. Sandler Sandler kids. kids. Yeah. I went to school in Dallas and then Raleigh. So it's not like I'm playing games around here True. in college. So it was really cool. That's awesome. So other than that, like, what was, what was some of your bigger biggest? What was your biggest moment at UNC? Um, funnest moment. I mean. Biggest, our senior year, man, we had a crazy run. So we went, lost in the Elite Eight to UCLA uh -huh. in penalties. We got a red card 10 minutes into the game. And we went up 1-0. They end up making it 3-1 in, in, in the second half, like 10 minutes left. Um, I scored a goal in like a corner to like make it 3-2. Two, two. And then this other kid, Andy, the next play made it 3-3. Three, three. That was one of the bigger goals, but we end up striving all the way back a man down. We have an opportunity to win the game, and then our fifth kicker misses it. We end up losing in the eighth. That was one of like the craziest moments ever in my career, oh just my like God. that game. Because if we would have won that, we would have been for sure the national championships. We always that's oh just salty. God. And that was against US, UCLA. UCLA. So the, the two schools went to. Yeah, there's two oh schools that I was went to. Yeah, the other school I always right. went to. Right, right, right. And then, um, and then, but during that run, so we played. I think it was a. No, the Sweet 16 was Clemson. The round of 32, we somehow, like, we weren't seeded going into the tournament because we had, like, a bad little spell. We were, we were number one in the nation for, like, half the season, and then we lost three games in a row. Um, so we ended up not being ranked going in, so we had, to, we had a decent run. We had to play some good teams. Yeah. So we went in. The first game, it was easy. We won 6-0. Second game, we're playing number 10 in the nation, Charlotte. Raining, pouring rain. Um, I ended up actually having two goals that game. We won 2-1. I scored a goal with like 50 seconds left on the clock to uh, take the lead. So we were, it was like 1-1, and um, the ball kind of gets like played in, hits the crossbar, comes rolling out to me. I just rip a lefty, it goes in. That was a pretty awesome feeling with like 50 seconds left in Charlotte. Oh, my God. So that was a, rowdy, that was a really rowdy, intense goal. That's sweet. Yeah, um, that was a lot of fun. 
That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was probably one of the biggest, bigger goals. That was a great game, but um, let me think. I scored some big goals at SMU, some overtime goals. Okay. Um, one in, like, the... Uh, one of them was, I think, to secure the conference against Marshall. Yeah. So that was a big goal. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Goals are fun. Goals are fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So how, how do you get the... You're finishing up UNC. Yeah. Tell me about uh, what the, what's going through your mind towards, like, the end of the season. So, yeah. UNC. Obviously, there's talks here and there about pro yeah. and, and what what are you feeling what's being told to you like what so, are you looking to do yeah i mean at this time like right after you get all these you get calls from coffee? i'm good okay you're getting calls I'll from get um, oh if you're gonna get more i'll take a little i guess okay. thanks brother so like basically after the season's over you're allowed to talk to agents once you're done you know with everything so i started to get contact by agents first thing i'm thinking maybe homegrown maybe not but if not that, you want to get into the combine. Right. The combines where they take like the best seventy players and you compete. Um, okay. So a little bit of the politics. I kind of got screwed by the politics there. So I was in contention to be a homegrown player. Fire didn't sign to decided not to hire me. Or basically, signed me as a homegrown player. Um, my coach at UNC said he thought that I was going to be signed homegrown. And so I, he didn't, I guess, said he didn't nominate me for the combine, so I didn't get into the combine, so I wasn't able to, like, basically the combine is, happens three days before the draft. And okay. so you go out to wherever it is, and there's all these players, and you compete against, and you show off why, you know, you're better than blah, blah, blah. So this is like, that's a huge thing if you're not getting a homegrown contract. So I didn't get that, and honestly, I didn't even know if I was going to get drafted, but then I ended up getting drafted and went out to Toronto. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's kind of, it's definitely a little stressful. You know, that's kind of some of the reasons why you stop playing. Cause yeah. there's definitely a lot of politics, but that's that's a time for that's a talk for a different, day, for a different, different time. Day. Yeah. So that's cool, man. Um, so again, playing at some of the highest level American soccer. Yeah, yeah. You're you're now coaching here in outside Chicago yep. in South Suburbs, um, Orland Park, right? Yep. Doing private trainings only, right, or small groups? Private, right. small groups, exactly. Yeah. So I, little cl clinics. So and I camps. think there's there's two like main private training organizations in the Chicago area. Mm -hmm. Football, training academy, and Tyler training. <laughs> absolutely, <academy>. so, absolutely. <laughs> so I just had to establish that. But based on your experience, all the things you went through, from starting with your older brother, being a little guy, having to prove yourself, yeah. you know, working on mentality, self-awareness, yep. SMU, UNC, out of all of that stuff, what what goes into your curriculum, if you will, to what like what main things are you trying to implement with the kids that are you're training, like in today? Absolutely, stuff? yeah. Um, so, technique, okay, definitely work ethic too. Yeah, and obviously then when they get a little more advanced and they're doing that, then you just start positioning all the fun then that the you know more of the soccer IQ stuff soccer but IQ. first start off is technique whether dribbling passing shooting all three of those need to have the right technique because yeah. there's seven different ways to pass the ball you know yeah you know there's not just one way right there's six seven different ways to shoot a ball right you know so you always want to, and then work rate how hard they're going through like just doing a drill anybody can kind of go through the drill at 50% yeah and not make a mistake right who's the person who could go through the drill 
hundred percent was hard. I agree, but stay even ninety five percent without making a mistake. Speed, and then we yeah. yeah, and then we speed it up to hundred. Yeah, you know, and so that's even what I focus on. I'd rather literally. I always what I preach is quality over quantity. Okay, I'd rather ten awesome reps than you do a thousand Not crappy awesome reps. you know reps. Huge. Because what your brain registers when you do it correctly is the right stuff, right? You do it the wrong way, but you're doing it a thousand times. Your brain just literally implanted the wrong stuff in your brain for a thousand times. That's perfect. You know? Perfect. So that's, yeah, that's that's not good. Right. You know? Right. And so that's literally what I emphasize. If anything, is probably the most. That's huge. Yeah. So with kids these days, you got kids at all these clubs. You got these academies. Now you yeah. got these development academies. Yeah. This soccer, youth soccer environment is like... Always changing. Yeah. You know, it seems like Fine. it's like always changing. Totally Different is. things are, are hot at the moment, whatever the case may be. For the individual player who's looking to develop and, and get better within himself, what should this be, kid be doing on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis that goes beyond what the club or the academies are, yeah. are providing? Playing, for sure playing, running on your own, okay. and watching the game. Watching the game. Watching the game, for me, I learned so much. When they watch the game, you don't just watch the game. Yeah. So, if you're watching the game, yeah, yeah. obviously you're watching, but that's not what Tune I mean. in, guys. Here yeah. we go. Here so, we go. if you're watching the game, for me, what I would do, I was playing like an attacking mid or a winger. What I focused on the most when I was watching those games, what type of movement is that player in my position doing? So, if I'm, say, say we're just watching um, an Arsenal. What is Medzu Ozil doing as a 10? Where, where is his movements? How is he checking in? Where is he turning? You know, Where yes. is he finding the pockets? Yes. Where is now, he not going? Where, exactly. Even well said, even more. Where is he not going? Yeah. Now as a winger, where is he checking into the ball? Where is he not? Then when they don't have the ball, where is he in shape? Is he just hanging out on the side? No, he's tucked in, he's linked up with players. So that's to, where you got to gotta realize. Yeah, for yeah. defensive shape. Yeah. Don't only watch them when they have the ball. You got to, because that's what all these players are so worried about is the ball. Yeah. Literally, what is not preached and taught enough in America is off the ball movement. Thank you. Off the ball movement is so vital and so crucial to soccer. That is soccer. Yeah. If you don't have options, that's even why like somebody like a Pep Guardiola, all his teams kill it. Because yeah. when guys get the ball, every single player has three, four options. I watch a lot of him, his yeah. teams, and if you watch, that's what like I try to even implement after him. Yeah. If you watch his style, guys get the ball, they have three, four options. That's what you want. You don't want just one option. Why? One option, then the defenders know where you're going. Yes. Then it's so easy to predict. Right. You know, and how you do that is shape, move, work as a unit, off the ball movement. You get what I mean? Not just the ball. Yes. Because if everybody's worried about the ball, there's no way four guys are going to be open Absolutely. for him, you know? Absolutely. They got to work off that. So that's a huge thing. Kids aren't doing that. No. Not at all. And you know what? It's not incredibly difficult. No, it's not. Just... Watch a game. Watch I know. what you're saying. Everything you just said, whoever's listening needs to write down what you just yeah, said. Yeah, I down, agree. That helped me out so and, much. And write out the answer. That's, even, even to this day, I watch so much soccer. I still learn. And if you're a 12-year-old kid and you do it, and you do what you just said... For the next four for, years? For, for, for let a, one season. Yeah. Just one season. One season. Even, do yeah, it every true. week for one season. See where it takes you. Just yeah. see what happens because no other kids are doing it right no, now. No, they're not. Maybe 5%. Maybe yeah. 1%. Maybe 2%. Yeah. No, you're right. I have no excited train a lot of kids. That's you know that's huge. Okay, what else are you implement? What else are you talking about? What else should kids be do be doing these days? Um, so technical, just playing. I mean, try yeah. to get as many touches every day as you can. Yeah. Comfort on the ball is what you want. Yeah. You know, and then if even if everybody's so high on juggling, I mean, yeah, it's really good, but 
there's like a famous quote by Nesta. I mean, cool, you could juggle 100 balls on the side of the field. What technique is to me, can you receive a ball with the guy on your back, control it, and then find the right pass? While you're that's soccer. That's soccer technique to me. That's not right. technique, just juggling. So, like, that's good, but yeah. if, then if you're doing that, what they should start doing is popping the ball up real high, trying to keep it going then, bring it down, control, yeah. up, Variations. down, up, down, you know what I mean? Stuff like that will definitely help. That's huge. Yeah. What else? Um, what else do you think? I mean, this is valuable stuff. Yeah, that's no, I mean, I'm just trying to think. Yeah. Um, just, there's only, uh, so let what me, I let, let me ask you this. So, for me, I th- I like to advise on, on three environments mm-hmm. that a kid should be playing as a mm-hmm. youth player. Structured environment, free environment, mm-hmm. where it's just for fun, yeah, and like personal environment, where yeah. it's on your own. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? that? That's a good way of putting it, definitely. Do you want to be doing some sort of pickup type activity? Because that allows you just to try creative stuff. Exactly. Like, you don't want to be doing that type of stuff in training. Right. Because your trainings, you want to be high level where you're holding yourself accountable like it's a game. Right. Too many times training sessions are too easy and like too nonchalant, meaning you go in there, you're okay with giving the ball away, you know, in possession. Guess what? You start doing that, habits, that builds habits. Right. And that's such a big, crucial thing for me is habit. Right. But like you said, structure's good too. Because why? Now you're actually learning how to play as a team. Right. you got to be able to play as a unit. Because if you're one solo player, soccer's a team game. Exactly. Know? No matter who you are. I mean, you're not going to make it if you're only going to be standing out by yourself. Right. You know? And then, always need to be personal. Yeah, I, I, yeah that's a really good way of putting it, to yeah. be honest. Because um, you always need to be doing stuff on your own. Yeah, 100%. So, so how how often should these kids be training? As much as you can. When okay. I was younger, man, I was playing. You don't get tired when you're young. <laughs> Kidding me? You know, we would go to the cage for 10 hours. Yeah. So Stay there from I love that you brought this up. So for those of you who are listening, us suburban kids would pack into my suburban, <laughs> usually. Yeah. Or whoever's Somebody, car, whoever's driving, driving. And we would drive to the city. And they had this park in the city. It was like this five-on-five field. Yeah. And we would we would go to the city. We would drive. We would park at a church. We'd walk to the park. Yep. And we would play against all these inner-city kids. Yep. And sometimes we played till like midnight. Yep. And we just played freely. Yeah. Like at times, uh, and it was the Latin kings came by and tried to holler at Latin, us. Latin kings came by. We were definitely in a we bad had area. A, uh, we kind of had to stop playing for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. was when we decided to leave at that night. <laughs> But, but that, exactly but what you're that, saying. I, that alone just helps you so much because you're getting tired, but you're having so much fun that you're working on your touch in such a I, high atmosphere that's uncomfortable, you know? It, it, for me, it's, it calls to the love of the, for the game Absolutely. that we had. Absolutely, the us, passion we had. For us kids to pack in a car, yeah. drive out to the city, you know, and play underneath the alley light yeah. with city kids. In an area we didn't even know. In an area we didn't even know. Yeah, absolutely. We were the only white kids there. Period. Totally. Period. We called the gringos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, the gringos are here. Then everybody be coming. They knew it was on. <laughs> they knew when the gringos game it was game on, dude. But it was game on. My point is like, what time is it? We got, it's one. One. Still okay. got some time. My point is like, Kids, you gotta play. Yeah, you gotta play as you gotta much find as you a way can. To play it. Find a way to love the game. Find a way to to play as much as you can. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. 
Couldn't yeah. agree more. Is there anything else we got to talk about, Tyler? Anything else these parents need to know? Anything else these kids need to know? What do you think? I mean, there's endless information, you know. They always can be learning. Yeah. I think we covered a good gist, though. Yeah. Um, sure, cool. we'll be able to have another talk after. Cool. And branch off, you well, know. Well, let's do this. Wherever this is posted, eventually, if there's an area to comment, whether it's on Facebook or whether it's yeah, wherever, leave, wherever it's posted, leave, leave suggestions. Questions. Or yeah, yeah, exactly. Leave questions that you'd kind of like to hear covered or whatnot. Hundred yeah. percent. And uh, and then either I or Tyler or both of us can yeah can answer them. So definitely cool, awesome, dude. Thanks for coming by. Oh, my pleasure. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was a fun. Good time. Good time. All right, that's it. See you guys. All right, thanks guys for coming out. Thank <laughs> you.